learning is good, but like if you don't, but you know, you use the phrase make a living, right? You would only really make a living if a business was willing to pay you for your services. And businesses only pay you for your services if you're actually helping them grow. Welcome back to Have a Map, where we talk all things career. I'm your host, Mamadou Njai, um, here with one of our newer interns, uh, Eddie, who has has a great eye. We just actually did one of our first photo shoots, um, well, a video shoot, and Eddie was doing some behind-the-scenes photography, and uh, a lot of the people on set really loved his work and are already posting about it. So. Shout out to you, Eddie. But Eddie, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you, where you go to school, all of that good stuff. Yeah, so my name is Eddie. Um, I'm 21 years old and I am from Westchester, Illinois, which is a small little suburb, like 20 minutes away from Chicago. Um, I'm going to school at DePaul right now, majoring in film and a minor in photography. Um, and yeah, I didn't start out that way though. I started off as a computer science major and realized really quickly that I did not like it and I wanted to pursue photography and film and stuff. So um, it was definitely a big decision to make, but I'm glad I did it. And um, I'm already on my senior year. So I'm being graduating soon and I'm really excited for it. Beautiful, love that, love that energy. And introducing our guest today, we have Alex. Alex, how are you doing today? Doing great, doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. And Alex is actually referred to us um, from someone on the podcast who was previous on there, which is helping to build our uh, network, which we love and we truly appreciate that so much. Um, Alex, do you want to tell us just a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, so I've been involved in, I guess, like the creative industry for, you know, maybe 15 years now, but, um, and I never thought I would end up as a as a photographer. Um, I, I studied music actually for a long time, uh, composition and, and jazz. And um, that didn't make me nearly enough money. But I guess some one of the bigger changes that happened is when I lived in New York, I um, uh, started taking photos of myself for Tumblr. So this shows you how long ago this was. This is 2010. <laughs> um, but eventually it kind of centered around, you know, outfits I was wearing, that, which was the thing back in the day. And then I got picked to um, shoot Fashion Week for Tumblr, um, which was crazy. And I actually thought it was um, a mistake. I emailed, the, it was, who was the fashion director of Tumblr. I emailed, I'm like, hey, did you mean to send this to me? Because I, I, there's no, I, in my mind, I was like, I'm not, um, I'm not the guy for that job. I, I only take photos of myself and my friends for fun. And he said, no, 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 we want, it's you. We want you. And I said, oh, okay. And you know, we don't have to go further into that. But that's the first time I realized, I'm like, wow, I guess, like, I don't have to feel ready. You just have to do it. And um, that's what changed it. And then the more I shot, when I, when I moved back to Chicago, I was, um, I, it was another kind of a weird break where Haberdash, which was a menswear store here, they asked me to be their creative director. And I had not been a creative director of anything. I'd, I'd, I'd never even managed people, except at a restaurant. I mean, I, I was a bartender for a long time. And I said, yeah, sure. Because I kept thinking like, why? I guess I should just keep saying yes to these things that I'm clearly not qualified for. And we ended up doing a lot of great work. And then, um, you know, eventually led me to eventually, you know, that was what, eight years ago. Um, and now I'm, you know, at Boulevardier, you know, working with them on their imagery and, and branding and working with Zach to, you know, nail down what they're trying to say visually, what they're trying to say with their product. Um, and so photography, um, for me has, has actually been a great business card because it's always led me into someone's life, you know, whether it's a friendship or it's, you know, a business opportunity or sometimes both. If you're really lucky, you can get both. I mean, it's pretty rare that you get to be someone's friend and work with them. Um, and I, I've been using photography as a way. I never wanted to charge for my photography because I always saw it as something that this is something that I, I like to use to express myself. But in that way, I was able to also filter out what kind of you know, connections I was able to make and, um, you know, also gave me leverage in the negotiation process, which we can talk about later too. I think that's one of the biggest things that they don't teach you at school, regardless of what you study, even if you are a business major, um, they don't teach you negotiating and leverage and how to actually find out what your customer wants, because it's great if you're great at photography, it's great if you're a great musician, but it's not great if you don't understand what they're paying for. 
And if you don't understand how to deliver, you'll never get hired again. So you could be the best artist in the world. And if you're trying to make a living off of it, and if you don't understand the transaction, then, you know, it doesn't matter. You can be the best in the world. So I'm sure we can talk about that. I'll let you lead the discussion because I could just talk about myself for an hour and no one will learn anything. So let me tell me, what do you, what do you, um, you know, you switched from CS to um, film, which is, which is cool. Um, Cause you can always jump back to, you know, you can always go to Lambda Academy or bootcamp if you want to on the side, if you want to jump back in. Um, but what made you want to study film then? What was that? Funny story. Actually, it was like the summer going into college. I, I feel like everyone at some point, at least like my age wanted to start a YouTube channel for whatever reason. Right. And you know, Cause I, I really like a lot of like um, these YouTube channels that are very like cinematic and stuff. And they make like really nice looking, like whether it's like vlogs or just like videos, like just good production. And I was just like, okay, that seems really cool. I feel like that's something I want to do. So I bought a camera. It was like a really like just uh, entry level, like Canon, like rebel camera. And I was just like, all right. So I, I started like, Kind of messing around with it learning how to use it i knew like nothing about like cameras but i'm a pretty tech savvy person so i was like all right i could probably figure this out and then i was like just filming whatever when i would hang out with my friends and stuff and i was like this is kind of cool but i never saw it as something i wanted to do as a career and then like and I, when i had the camera i only had like video in mind i didn't even like think about photography until i just saw like my dog just like laying on her bed and she looked really cute so i was like wait i want to take a picture and so i started taking these pictures of her and i thought they were so good and they're in reality they're terrible like i still have these pictures on my phone they're so bad but like i just thought it was so cool and i was like wow like maybe i could like take some more pictures and see like what i can do so then going into college i was just like I'm going to be CS. I want to be like a software engineer or whatever. And then I realized really quickly, it just wasn't for me. I was like getting frustrated with like, you know, coding and stuff. And I was just like, all right, that's fine. Like I'm going to give myself like freshman year to figure this out, see what I want to do. So as the year went on, I actually like switched from CS to game design because it's in the same realm. You know, you're still coding all this stuff. And I really like, you know, games and stuff. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll see if that's any better. And then by the end of it, I was just like, I don't know, I'm not feeling it. And throughout the year I had my camera with me and I was like getting better with like photos and stuff. And I was like shooting my friends and everything. And I was just like really liking the camera stuff. So at the end of freshman year, my last uh, quarter, I was just like, you know what? I think I want to switch it to film. Cause I want to, you know, enhance my skills and make this into a living. I would love to like make a living off of this stuff. And so I wanted to do um, like videography and photography. So I was like, okay, the film program is pretty good and big at DePaul. So I was like, I'll do that as my major and then I'll do a minor in photography. So that's kind of like how I ended up where I am now. And like, it was a huge decision. I like talked to my mom about it and everything. Luckily she was really supportive and stuff. And she's like, yeah, if you really think you can make a living off this, then do it you know, um, get better at it, always practice and stuff. And I did. So I'm, I'm really happy that I went with that decision. Now, um, you're graduating this year, you said, right? Yeah. And uh, you've, you're already involved in some amount of commercial shoots, at least you did something for a dim. And yeah, it's been a bit harder, obviously, with COVID and stuff. But before COVID, I was just like, um, like my niche, I guess, is like concert photography. So I would go to a lot of venues and stuff. And yeah. like shoot shows and everything that was like, one of the most fun things for me to do because I just love music. So I, it's like kind of combining my passion of music and like photography and stuff like that. So, sure. yeah. And yeah. through that, I got a lot better at, at photography for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Adjusting to changing lighting conditions, changing perspectives, having limitations of time, right? You'll only first two or three songs you can be in the pit and then it gets right. A lot, yeah. Or shooting from the wings, which is always kind of a interesting perspective as well. Um, so yeah, I guess the, the way the industry has changed pre-COVID, post-COVID is, is um, been really tough for, I mean, it's not just creatives, everyone in the world is taking a hit. But the cool thing is it's going to end eventually. It's not going to be forever. And exactly. It's going to be live music again. So um, I guess as long as there's no huge financial pressure for you right now to get gigs right now, it's a great time to be practicing still. It's a great time to be... Um, 
you know, owning your craft and also working just on your sales. So, I mean, the one thing that every phot photographer that I've seen who started off and they've done well is that they've had a, their camera with them everywhere they go. It doesn't matter if it's something that's you're going to shoot or not, it's, or if it's going to be aesthetically pleasing, just have your camera on you and not like in your bag, literally like have it on your shoulder, ready to shoot at a moment's notice because, um, It'll always, it'll train you one to get ready to shoot. It'll train you to not be nervous about having your camera with you. Because a lot of people get uh, and like embarrassed that there's a camera like on them. They think, oh, someone's going to think I'm working. Like, who cares? Who cares what other people think? Because your job is to get better as an artist. And if you don't push yourself, if you don't make sure that you're in that mindset of, um, you know, I guess the idea is like, I'm a photographer. I'm here to take great photos. If that's your mindset, that means, well, where's your camera? It's like, well, it's right here. It's on me. And so you have to have, you have to live that kind of mantra and you'll get better because you'll be shooting all the time and you'll be shooting in situations you wouldn't normally be shooting, which is good. And there's no pressure of you have to get the shot. You know, it's not like someone's paying you to shoot the gas station when you're filling up your car, but you still have your camera on. You're still looking around like, is there a shot here? Is there something that I can capture? Is there something that, you know, I haven't paid attention to before? That'd be number one. But then, you know, you can always do that now. And I would always, I recommend every photographer still do that unless you're you know you're a veteran you're, and you're doing fine um but uh then the other thing would be you know is to focus on what do people want from photographers right now right so like what would someone want during covid like who are the industries again it's like um learning is good but like if you don't uh, but you know you use the phrase make a living right you would only really make a living if a business was willing to pay you for your services and businesses only pay you for your services if you're actually helping them grow. So right. the, so there's two things that worked well for COVID COVID means that everything has to be ordered online, no in-person stuff. And if it's ordered online, that means there's gotta be a photo of something. If you're selling something now, you gotta have a photo. You can't come in the shop to check it out. And they also need video. So it's good that you've, you know, both skills. So every business needs imagery. Every business needs video right now more than ever. So it's a matter of how can you give that to them? Um, and can you do it in a way that makes sense for their budget and all this? And here's the bummer about when you're first starting off, you're probably going to work for less than you would want or sometimes for free. But if you think of it as like, I have to, I, if it, it's this or it's nothing, then I'll take it. You know, and unfortunately, a lot of people, you know, it's a really crowded pool right now because everyone is scrambling for any client. So, you know, we can talk about like, how you should frame that for your potential customers. But do you pitch people ever? Do you say like, Hey, this is what I want to do. What, what's your, have you thought about it? Um, I've thought about it a little bit. I mean, um, normally when I like pitch to people, I always like say, I like, cause like, like I said, I, I shot a lot of concerts pre COVID and right. I feel like that was like, not, like my area of expertise, I guess. Like I, I still did like a few portraits and stuff like that. And like, but I, I don't know. I just really liked live events and just like the energy that they bring in everything like that. So, um, and I feel like that's like where most people want or have photographers at is at live events. So that's kind of what I um, market myself as like a concert photographer. But um, recently I've just been wanting to just branch out to more things too. And obviously like COVID is like a good opportunity for that considering that there is no concerts and there is no live music and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's been, it's been a bit of a challenge, but um, I'm still like learning about it and stuff like that. Okay. So, um, so let's say you pitch someone and you say, Hey, like I want to shoot whatever your pro let's, let's just say it's um, Hey Nordstrom. I want to, even though they have their own in-house team, let's assume that they're a small company. Hey Nordstrom. I want to shoot your product. They go, okay, where can I find your work? Then you go, well, you got to show them your website. And then your website, you got to have product or some sort of imagery that lines up with what you're saying. This is what I want to do for you. So step one would be, you got to create the fake work that is, you know, is that you're going to be selling, right? You have to right. build a prototype of what it is. If you're going to say, show me, show me what you're going to do. And you're going to say, this is my link of all my commercial work I've done for businesses. So an easy way to narrow, this is what I did with my friends is that we didn't have, I would email companies, they would say no, or they wouldn't respond. Most of the times they wouldn't respond. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm still going to do a photo shoot for Club Monaco. I'm just going to go and get a bunch of Club Monaco clothes and shoot it and then tag them in it. And then, again, this is way back in the day before there was, like, no one even used the word influencer. It was just like, well, I can't get the job at the commercial studio because I'm not, you know, I don't have enough background in photography. Club Monaco is not returning my emails. Obviously, why would they? They don't know me. So I'll just do my shoot anyway. But then I amassed a portfolio of like, wait a second, I shot like, People say, hey, did you do that for Club Monaco? I was like, no, it's just something I did on the side. And they're like, that's good enough for me. Yeah, it looked like you did it and it made sense. And it, there was this cohesive story there and you know, people gravitated toward it. So what you got to do is actually like pretend that you actually have a commercial shoot for whatever industry you're going after. You know, Get your friends together if you need a stylist, you need hair and makeup and all that and a model. Or if it's just you know lay flat. And I'm just talking about retail, but if, I mean, if you're talking about shoes or you know, cosmetic products or whatever industry you're thinking of going after for that, you know, build that in your portfolio. And one, so like when you actually do get on set, you know how to shoot it because you don't want to sell something that you actually don't know how to do. Um, so that would be the easy way to, or rather, I, I think every photographer, every artist, everyone has to do that. You have to, no one's going to buy it yet because no one believes me yet. So I, I don't even believe me yet. So I got to show that I can do it and I can execute um, and go from there. And then you can say if someone goes, okay, I see that you shot it this way. Can you shoot it that way? Because you're just kind of giving them little pieces of information about like, is this what you would pay me for? Would you, how much would you pay me for if this was your brand in this photo? You know, you start to find out that what your market price is and what people are willing to pay. Yeah, that's kind of like one thing I've always... I guess had trouble with is when I, you know, I tell like my friends and stuff like, yeah, I want to start like actually like shooting like for whatever and like charging and stuff. It's always been like, how do I price myself? You know what I mean? Cause like, I don't want to like, like I know what I'm capable of and I don't want to like undershoot myself, you know what I mean? And like charge way too little when I could be making like more than I need to or whatever, or more than um like, other people but it's just like i don't want to charge too much either and then just like turn people away and be like no that's way too expensive you know what i mean so it's kind of just like trying to find that right like price point i guess to market yourself with right so before you even give someone a quote i guess let's go into quoting and negotiation there before you even give someone a quote you should already know have an idea of what they're willing to pay it shouldn't be a surprise to them ever so like when you first let's say i'm talking to joe's boutique or joe's mm -hmm. boutique right and then we're talking about photography one of the best questions you can ask like do you have a budget in mind and they'll tell you exactly what they're thinking of paying and okay. if it's too high too low that's fine but if it's too low then all you got to do is roll back what your services are so it's like oh okay like that's a great budget that'll get you 10 photos and they'll say and then you can start the negotiation process but you don't want to i mean this is just in business in general you never want to surprise anyone because you don't know how they're going to react and they can always walk, especially if you have no leverage. You always want to make sure that you're guiding them in a certain direction that will give you the answer that you want. So uh, again, like, do you have a budget in mind? And sometimes they'll say, which is weird for a business owner to say this. No, I don't. I'm like, okay. So, um, okay. Uh, then you, so you got to find out like, okay, what have you spent something on this before? Have you, have you paid a videographer before? Have you done any kind of marketing before any marketing initiatives? And they say, no, say, okay, what, worth it, what would it be worth to you to increase your sales by 15%? So you can flip it. It's like, what would you want to have happen? We're going to increase your, I mean, everyone increases their sales when they have better photos. That's obvious. Probably maybe 5%, maybe 10%. If you do it well, it could be 15%. But you start paying, helping them think about it for you. So this way you don't have to be worried about leaving money on the table. I mean, here's the thing. You're not leaving money on the table if they don't have the money. Yeah. Their budget's 500. That's 500. So it's like, will you, what's worth 500 to you? Maybe five photos, 10 photos, you know, half day shoot, quarter day shoot. You know, you can always work within their budget. If you think about like hourly, even though you shouldn't be an hourly worker, but let's say it's hourly, it's like, well, $500 is worth, you know, two hours of shoot time and two hours of editing for me. You know, that's how you could frame it. There's no budget. I mean, this is how I do it. Right. So when I do it, I have my day rate, which is really expensive. And I tell people it's expensive and I tell people you're probably not going to want to pay it, but they expect something like outrageous. And then when they hear it, they're like, okay, that's, that's not terrible. We can do that. 
And then I say, I either do that or I do it for free. So each, because I don't, I don't discount. Um, and this is, you should probably think about this as well as you get further in. When you're first starting off and you don't have enough business contacts yet, you, um, you, you have to just find out what you're comfortable with. You need more experience. You need more people that will say, yes, he's worth it. That he's worth that price. Um, and the reason, but the reason I don't discount is because I'd rather give it to you for free. So I still have the power because discount gives people power over you in the terms of the mindset of negotiation. It means that I'm getting you to change everything that you think about your process, about your product, about what your deliverables are, the date, you know, you, um, and so I don't like to start off on that foot. So, cause when I give it to them for free, they still feel indebted. They feel even worse than paying for it. They're all like, I'd rather pay you your full rate than you give me this full shoot for free. Um, and then I can also, once I'm giving it to them for free, I can say, I'm going to give you one photo. I have full creative control. You can't tell me anything about it. You can't use it without asking me. And then it starts to reframe the images. Again, it took me a while to get there. I've shot things. I used to discount things. I used to put myself in terrible situations because I didn't One, I mean, I had to because I, did, I wasn't good enough. I didn't have enough experience. I didn't have enough people that would vouch for me. But now that I do, that's what you'll get to. And you'll probably get there way quicker than I did because I made way too many mistakes. You'll probably get there in a couple of years, maybe a year. But you have to do it by going out, selling, and then executing, which is weird because the shooting. So when people say, oh, you're a photographer, you're like, yeah. But like 80% of your job is going to be emailing people, talking to people, calling people on the phone. And then the 20% is going to be <laughs> photography, which is kind of a bummer, but that's yeah. life. It's like if you want to get things done in life, you have to talk to people, you have to call them, you have to find out what they want. You know, it doesn't yeah. matter the industry. Most of life is talking and getting people to agree with you, getting people to find consensus. And then the 20% is the stuff that you actually wanted to do. And through that, I think that's a really interesting point, right? Because I think when we think of the creative industry, we just think of it, especially coming out of college, you just think like, oh, I'm just going to create and people are going to come and all of that stuff is going to happen. How did you start to learn? Because I feel like business is so much about reading and understanding people, right? And you talked a little bit about leverage, right? How did you start to understand and learn a little bit more about what you could bring to the table and the leverage that you had and that gained more confidence for you to really you know, have your solid rate, right? Because I feel like pricing is about the market, but then it's also about the confidence you have in yourself as well, right? Um, so how did you get to that point? I guess the, the price, well, there's, there's kind of two things that happen. One, I, I mean, reading a lot of books about sales and sales psychology is helpful. You don't need to go to you know business school for it. So Seth Godin, um, all of his books are great, give great insight on how to be, uh, I don't want to use the word entrepreneur, but how to just be in control of, you know, your creative and professional output and how to communicate that clearly. And he talks about pricing and all that kind of stuff. But um, the pricing, I guess the confidence I got from being able to price where I am is because I didn't, because I've always had another job as well. And so putting all my eggs in one basket, I was, I was able to walk away from deals that I was like, I don't, I don't really like this job. I don't want to do it. And they would say, really? I'm saying, well, I just, it's just not for me. You guys don't have a budget. And I, I can recommend any, you know, four different photographers that will do this job for you, but this is not my job. Um, and so you do, I mean, I guess here's another thing. You do leave money on the table, but since you're young and you know, I'm assuming you don't have a mortgage and you don't have kids, if you don't have those two things, which you, you can't afford to have principles when you have um, long-term debts, whether that's debts on your time. I don't mean in a bad way. Obviously having kids, I mean, I have one and another on the way. It's amazing, but they're relying on you. You can't always walk away from things when you have kids or if you have a mortgage, right? So when you're young, but when you're young though, like you have a long time to get to your full earning potential. Like people usually make their most money in their life between the age 40 and 55 because they've garnered all their business contacts, their relationships. They've, and if you've kept a good reputation throughout that time, you, that's when you earn your most money. So the whole, up until you turn 40, the whole goal is to get, make as many positive interactions that you have in the business world, execute as many times as you can um, and get there. Now, the, what gives you the confidence to be able to say, I'm worth X price, you know, my day rate's 7,500. That's not my day rate, that's crazy, but let's assume it, I mean, that's a pretty crazy day rate, 7,500, right? Um, is because you've done it so many times. And this is another big one on artists. They're too afraid to pull the trigger. 
you got to ship it, man. Like if you have something that you do, you got to do it all the time. Even if it's not perfect, you got to put it out there. So you got to have a foot. I mean, for every, any aspiring photographer, photographer and, and Eddie, and, and I'm not trying to give you homework here, but you got to have a photo shoot at least once a week. Otherwise you're not a photographer. Like I, you know, when I meet someone who's, I'm an artist, I'm like, where's your work? It's like, I haven't done anything in two years. Like, you're not an artist. I'm sorry. And I'm not trying to be rude. It's like, but how could you, how could you call yourself an artist? Two years, no work, no output. Like, that's just not, that's not true. What are you, you know, and, and it's fear that's holding you back. And I, that's why I feel bad. I'm sympathetic because I remember what that's like. But what's worse is looking back on, you know, five years of your life and not having any output. That's a terrible thing if you call yourself an artist. Um, and so you got to hold yourself. Artists have to be disciplined. Um, and the only, and, and so that's how, you, I mean, the whole reason, this is all around confidence, right? How do I know I'm worth that? It's because cause I've done it a thousand times because every week I had a photo shoot and every week I showed up every Monday, I posted that photo shoot, whether it was good, whether it was bad, whatever it was, I always posted it because I needed to get it out there because artists show their work. And if you've been in, you know, I don't know if you've done these critiques yet at DePaul, I'm not sure how rigorous the program is. Um, but when you have your first art critique, it's crushing. People tell you your work stinks. And they're right. That's what the worst part is. They're right. They're telling you work is no good and they're 100% right. And you have to get used to that. And you have to be like, okay, and see past. Not They're not attacking you. They're saying your work needs to improve. And so they're giving you pointers, actually, which is why it's great. And, and this is a great quote from, oh, God, I can't remember. It was a cynic philosopher, like 500 uh, from ancient Greece. It's that the only people that will tell you the truth are your uh, closest friends and your mortal enemies. Like they'll tell you exactly what you need to fix. Like your biggest critic is actually so helpful because they'll tell you what you need to work on because they're not afraid of offending you. Their whole, actually the whole point is to try to offend you. <laughs> so you get that confidence by executing. I guess that's a long way to say it. Yeah. You I mean, yourself to a high standard. Yeah. Right. Like uh, I kind of found myself during like quarantine kind of falling into that trap a little bit. Cause like I was, you know, obviously I had to be like isolated and everything. And I was, um, at the beginning of everything, like in March, April, May, I was at my apartment by myself. My roommates have all gone back home and I was just like by myself. And then I like I was done with like school. So it was kind of like the summer. So I had nothing to shoot. And I just found myself like, I guess, like I felt like I was wasting time. I was like, I need to shoot something like I, yeah. you know, it's like a, it's like an itch I needed to scratch. So I like started taking my camera and just going on walks and then just doing like photo walks and like shooting whatever I could just to like, you know, keep myself busy and like, um, not lose my touch, I guess. So, um, I definitely agree when you say like, you can't be like not doing your art, like as an artist, like, especially like you said, like it's when someone asks you like, Oh, let me see your work. It's like, Oh, if you haven't done anything like a long time, they're not going to take you seriously. And they're not going to take, or like see you as an actual artist. Cause an artist always like, you know, works on their craft. They're always learning new things and stuff like that. So, um, right. that's definitely something that like resonates with me for sure. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, it'll make you feel better. Yeah. You won't have to think, am I working hard enough on my craft? hundred percent. Yeah. It. You'll know it's happening. I know I'm getting better. Cause I can see two photo shoots ago. I'm not making that same mistake. I, you know, change the lighting and change whatever. So it's, um, that, that's, that'll give you so much confidence because you know, you can deliver and execute. Um, and I guess, and here's the, so here's the other thing, <laughs> all these things that uh, it sounds like I'm like diminishing the creativity side of it, but the people that get rehired are the ones that deliver. I know a lot of very talented people that will not return emails, that will not deliver photos on time. They'll show up late, all these things. It's like, you know, and it's sad because, you know, they're very talented, but if you can't deliver like, again, it's a, if it's a business now, if it's your art, it's different. So you should always have your passion projects and you should push yourself hard there. But when it's something that's a commercial interest and it's for your business, you got to deliver. So, um, you know, I mean, I guess no, and no one should really disagree with that. It makes sense. People are, the people are counting on you to give them the images on the day that you said, it's like, you can't not do it. And if you're not going to be able to do it, you, again, you can't surprise them. You have to let them know, Hey, I need one more day to, edit these photos and to make up for that i'll do a free social media this and that there's always a way to make it right too you just can't ignore it you can't pretend like it didn't happen there's because people want to be told what's happening when's it going to happen and then you can also frame it i need one more day for these photos they're going to be great you're going to love them 
like in the back, like it, it, you're already, you're in a great spot there. And then it, you can follow up with, and to make up for it being a little late, I'm going to do this and that for you. And the case says, no, 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 that's okay. And you're like, no, I'm going to do it anyway. I really feel like this, it's, it's only fair, right? They're like, wow, this, this guy's really cares a lot about being fair, whatever it is. And it's true though. I mean, you should, because they, they took a, not a chance, but they're spending their money on you. And that's a big deal. Um, and so you shouldn't take that lightly. And then that story will be told about you to other business owners, to other people in the industry. And you want those kind of stories circulating for 20 years. So by the time you're 40 and you're a titan of the industry, everyone has that story. Oh, I worked with Eddie way back then and it was great. He did this for free. He, he, you know, he was a little bit behind, but we actually didn't care, but he did it anyway. You know, those are the people that you find who are at the top. They don't have enemies. They just have people that have great stories and great experiences about them. That's how you get there by pushing yourself, but by also treating people with respect, um, you know, even if it's not reciprocated. Also, just another thing I wanted to like touch on is, um, you know, being creatives, obviously um, people deal with creative blocks all the time. Yeah. So I just wanted to know how you would, you deal with creative blocks, whether it's for a passion project or like it's for like business, like a commercial project that you have to do. Cause obviously like these businesses, like, um, they'll trust you with your creative eye and stuff like that. I'm sure sometimes like there's one specific things, but like, how do you, I guess, put your personal touch on things with, without like making it too far off what's requested. And then how do you deal with like coming up with like new and like creative things to do? Like if you have like a creative block or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I guess there's kind of two things there. One, um, I self select for, well, over time, your style will be your style. Right. You know what I mean? Like when Hendrix picked up a guitar, it still sounded like Hendrix. It was, I mean, he mostly played strats, but even there's like one track of him playing an acoustic guitar and it still sounds like Hendrix. It's like, if you're an artist, like just the way, it doesn't matter what camera I give you, Eddie, you're going to, it's going to be your photo, right? I give you a Pentax, I give you a, a Canon, I give you a, a Ricoh, you know, it's going to look like your photos, right? So in time, your style will be there, right? And you'll have a good understanding of what you're trying to say visually to the world. Um, your clients, or rather, you should self-select your clients that fit your style. I had to reject a client the other day, and I'm not saying this because I'm the man. I'm just, I knew I wasn't the guy for the job. They wanted something bright. I'm like, it's not me. And when I, and then we, and they had already hired me. And then when I looked through more of the scope, I was like, wait, whoa, 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 like you guys know what I shoot and how I shoot. This is I, I I'm not the guy. I, and again, here's other people that will do it exactly what you want. You will. And they thought I was, you know, they fought me on it. They thought I was the guy. I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not the guy. I'm, I'm, I'm not the one for this because I knew at the end of the day, it was going to be, it was going to do damage to my reputation. It's going to be way harder than it was, um, than it would normally be. You know what I mean? Asking me to shoot something that's not in my style, you know, say asking an opera singer to, you know, sing Led Zeppelin. It's like, what do you, you know, that, that just shows like, like maybe they just don't understand how, how varied the, you know, art and creativity is, you, know, you can have niches and, and genres, right? Um, but I, now I, you know, I self-select for clients that I know are going to be happy with what I do. And I always preface it too. I'm like, Hey, just, you know, my stuff is pretty dark. It's pretty moody. It's pretty contrasting. I crush the blacks and then the shadows. They go, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we want. I'm like, okay. I'm like, it's kind of sad too. It's kind of like buzzkill imagery. They're like, totally. We love it. I'm like, okay, great. Just so we're sure. Just so we're clear. Um, so you'll find that with your style. And then if you're smart, you'll select brands that want your style. And then you'll select brands that you think could be improved by your style, right? So you'll, you'll find out what that is. You'll need like three to four words to define what your imagery is, right? Playful, light, dramatic, you know, thought-provoking. Eh, not really thought-provoking. It's kind of word thinking. But you'll find the words that makes that line up with it. So you can say those words on the phone call, but go, yeah, yeah, that's what our brand is, light and playful and creative. You know? um, and then in terms of uh, how do you fight uh, like writer's block, um, one of them is to uh, have a different output. So when I'm feeling stuck on uh, photography, I play more music. When I'm feeling stuck on music, I play, I take more photos. Um, or video or whatever it is. It's like moving around to different mediums is really helpful because your brain will sometimes get stuck in, I mean, it literally gets stuck in our neurological rut where it keeps using the same neurological pathways and it keeps ending up at the same dead end. And your brain's like, hey, what happened? 
You're like, I don't know. It's like, you're the one in charge up there. What's going on? So you got to kick it up and kick it over somewhere to a different groove. You know what I mean? So you have to do something that requires a different, different neurological input and then requires different neurological output as well. That's helpful. Number two is there's, there's a book and I hate, everyone recommends books, like books are some, some amazing thing. And I, I like books. I like reading. I think it's important to read, but um, they're not all, they're not the be all end all. You know, it's like these books, these million, these billionaires read. I'm like, dude, I read that book. I'm not going to be a billionaire. Like, come on. Like, let's, people are hot on books. I'm like, okay, the books are good. They're not, they don't do everything for you. You still have to show up. Anyway, that was a side rant. But the one book that is helpful on understanding um, road uh, writer's block is this book called um, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. And it's about, I mean, I'll just give you the gist of it. You don't have to read it. There's, he talks about it in terms of the way ancient Greece and ancient Rome thought about it, that there was an actual God of uh, resistance that would try to drag you down to try to stop you from being great. And uh, the only way to defeat that would be to be disciplined and regiment and not to treat it as something that only when inspiration hits me, will I create. It's like, no, you create regardless of inspiration and you train yourself to always, you know, to train yourself to be a professional rather than art, an amateur. And that's what the big distinction is. An amateur um, does things with passion, but a professional does things absence of passion and does it with in a way to clearly communicate regardless of passion, regardless of emotion. It's like, I'm doing something beautiful, not because I feel it fervently, but because I know this is true, you know, and beauty and art reveals some truth, right? So that's what the book goes into. It's not very long. It's like 120 pages, but the only way to get through writer's block is to force yourself to do it. And that's why it's such a bummer because everyone secretly knows that deep down. How do I get through it? It's like, you just got to sit down and write. You just got to, you know, take that shot or write that song. There's no other way around it. And that's why it's a bummer. So regimenting your days. So, so this is a big thing with coronavirus. The big thing that I've seen with my creative friends is that we think that there is no urging, ur, no urgent need, no pressure to create because it feels like, well, the world's on pause. Like, no, 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 no. The world is not on pause. Things are moving forward, but no one's really talking about it. Because everyone's talking about Netflix. Everyone's talking about getting food delivered. Now I don't have to, you know, take the train. You know, I don't have to take the blue line to the office now. I don't have to do these things. So it makes you think that, like, is the world paused? But it's not. And so the hardest thing for a creative is that you have to hold yourself to a really high standard and keep creating and creating good things. And it's going to be a lot harder because some people are not going to want to go out and they're nervous and you got to wear masks and all that stuff. And that makes it really hard to take photos when you have a mask on because it blows all the, your breath into your viewfinder. Yeah, <laughs> um, which really is, I, it's really, I, I don't like that. But the, you have to hold yourself to a high standard and fight through that resistance. And you have to, so you have to keep a schedule. You, you can't do it on, you can't say it in your head. You have to, I mean, I, I have a schedule over here every hour because if I don't have that, something about this lockdown, man, it makes it like you don't get anything done. Yeah, I definitely feel that, um, especially with like my schoolwork and stuff. It just yeah. feels like so weird, just like not having to go anywhere. And it's like, it makes it a little harder to manage your, your like time and stuff. Cause like, it's almost like time doesn't exist. <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I've kind of like done something similar to, I just like been having like, um, like on my notes app on my phone, like timing out my day when I'm going to do this, when I'm going to shoot this for this assignment and stuff like that. Um, but um, I also wanted to ask you just like, obviously like pre-COVID or even like during COVID now too, like what does a typical day look like for you? So um, I'll go through like a typical day when I'm in the studio or when I'm going to the studio um, or rather maybe instead of a typical day, I'll go on like, how do I get like photo shoot from start to finish from sure. like agreeing to shoot the images to delivery of images and then follow up. So um, the day before, Got to charge your batteries, got to empty your memory cards, got to bring extras of everything. That's a big one. I mean, being a professional, you have the right equipment and you have two of them in case one breaks. Because I can't tell, I mean, it's, I've done it and it's humiliating, but it happens to everyone. You only bring one and that one camera breaks and one lens breaks. You know, it's not good to have. So have a backup plan. So, because you don't want to be flustered on set. Because then everyone starts, the client looks at you like, wait, you okay, dude? And you're like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. And you're freaking out in the end, you know, maybe on the inside, but you shouldn't freak out on the outside. Because people are looking at you to lead. That's another thing. No one there is a photographer. You're the photographer. So you got to show that this is how photography gets done. And if you exude that, people will just follow your lead. They're not going to, 
you know, check you on like, should we style it like that? Is the lighting right here? Because well, this guy knows what he's doing because he acts like he knows what he's doing and he's got a ton of gear because who knows why. Um, but you know why, because you need it just in case something breaks. So night before, equipment check, focus check, making sure everything works, um, charging all your batteries, emptying all your memory cards. Um, and then doing a, just in your head, if you can, like how do I want the setup to be doing some light work, um, like light uh, diagrams. And if you need inspiration, you can go on. I mean, luckily YouTube is the great savior. So if you need to know how to do a different kind of lighting setup, you're like, okay. And then plot out how long you want to be shooting stuff. And if, and if you have a shot list and you have an amount of time, divide it so you know how long your shots are per shot. Or, how, or how, rather, how long are you going to spend on each product or whatever you're shooting? Um, because you don't want to be halfway through the day and only have gotten 10% of the stuff done. Because you don't, you can't get everyone back in the room again, likely. Or rather, it costs money to get everyone in that room again. And you don't want to incur another expense because you're bad with time management. So if it's something like, I got eight minutes per product, that means you got to get maybe by the second or third shot, depending on how long a stylist needs whoever on set is doing things to make sure the product looks right. I'm, and I'm assuming we're doing commercial, but even if, if it's portraiture, there's hair and makeup. If it's, you know, bridal shoot, you know, there's a, there's a stylist for the gown. There's a stylist for the veil, you know, depending on who's there, they're going to need time to do their thing to make sure that part looks good. Cause you won't know the difference between a good looking gown and a great gown. That's why they're the specialist. So you have to play off of them. Right. Um, so, count for that time ahead of time and go, okay, these are the shots that I want. Um, and find out what your minimum failure rate is. So it's like, if I get 60% of these shots, they will still be happy. So just kind of keep track in your head. Like I, I need to know I can have to get 10 deliverables or whatever it was. And then when you show up, greet everyone, shake everyone's hand, introduce yourself, everyone on set, every single person that's there. If you're the photographer, people need to know that you're in charge, what your name is, if they need to get your attention. And then find out what, what everyone's doing and how they like to work too. Hey, like the stylist, how do you like to work? Do you want to jump in on every shot? Do you, do you just want to tap in the shoulder? Just let me know how you want to do it. Let everyone know that like they don't need to be nervous. I, you'll trust their vision and their whatever, um, their expertise. And that, you know, we'll all get this done as a team. Now, it might just be you and one other person. You should still need to say it. We're going to get through this. It's going to be a great shoot. Even if it's just you and products and no one else in the room you should still say it out loud we're gonna get through this we're gonna get some great shots your brain will say oh great like you're pumping yourself up you got to do it because your energy and your emotion is going to go into those photos right even though i said that's ideally not how you should be done as a professional you still should do it i think it's like a mantra then you get through the shots and then you take a lunch uh, a lunch break sometimes sometimes not depends on how long the shoot is and when you wrap everything up thank everyone go home Look at the photos. Hopefully you got what you needed. And hopefully you're checking either uh, either in camera if you have a big enough LCD to check for focus or if you're have a if you shooting off of a capture station. You know, I don't know if you use um, Lightroom or Capture One, but some kind of capture station to review. Because sometimes when you're shooting, you also show the client and you say, hey, right. look, see, I'm doing the thing that you said I should do. <laughs> Great. That's, that's exactly what I said it should do. You know, make them feel not involved because they're not there to work. They're paying you to work make them feel like they made a good decision in hiring you right um and another if there's a model there too great i love it great keep going this is great you're giving me great looks and then you can say to everyone else we're doing great right i mean it's weird because all this stuff about photography is like yeah you have to take great photos but you're also technically the leader when they hire you in a photo shoot it's a special mm -hmm. mini side mission that you're the leader of and the, you know you have to let everyone know that things are moving in the right direction and then when you're done, you say, okay, hey, you know, I think we got some great images, you know, clap offset and then, and then that's it. And then you can leave. And then when you get home, whatever that is, email the person who hired you. Great. We did a great job today. I'm reviewing the edits now. I think you'd be really happy. Um, and then give them a, just remind them of what the timeline is because they'll get antsy because their boss will probably say, hey, when are we getting those photos? Because they'll ask, where were you all day? Oh, I was on set. Okay, when are we getting them? They get all hot. They get super hot. And, they, and then they, oh, I can't remember. And then their boss might say something. We'll see if we can get them tomorrow. It's, it's, you know, all of a sudden it starts snowballing into some kind of thing that's outside of the original statement of work that you agreed on and was signed, right? So that's why when you get home, hey, great shoot today. I'll like, 
as a reminder, these are going to be coming X and Y. You'll have previews on this day and whatever. You know, just follow the timeline that you agreed on. Um, and then deliver the photos. Don't deliver more than you said you would either. Just deliver the photos that you agreed on. And obviously don't under-deliver it. It's insane. But deliver the ones that, you know, the exact images that you said you were going to deliver. They got exactly what they paid for on the date that they would get. And if it's on, you know, Tuesday, it's Tuesday, 8 a.m. Not Tuesday, 5 p.m. 8 a.m. Because someone's going to ask them, aren't the photos due today? And they're going to have to vouch for you, right? They're the one who said, hey, accounts payable, pay this guy. So their reputation in their company is on the line too. So 8 a.m. inbox. Here's a link. Um, I think they came out great. I don't know if, if there was edits worked into the statement of work, then you can say something like, let me know which ones you would like me to edit further. As a reminder, it's 150 an hour for edits, da, 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 whatever it is. I don't know if you're doing retouching or whatever, but that's how you would manage that. And then you're done. And then you, and then once they agree on it, then you can send the invoice and, and you rinse and repeat. Now the best customers are the ones where you get a retainer or a monthly thing, you keep getting them. And that's, so let's say you had a great shoot. And let's say it helped them really well, helped them out a lot in business. You go, hey, I think it would be great is that um, we could do this every month. I would love to shoot all of your products all the time. So you can have new imagery for your newsletter, for your social media. And this is during the fact finding part where you find out about what they're trying to accomplish. You're saying, hey, remember those things you said you're trying to accomplish? I could do that for you every month. And I'll even reduce my rate so that we can I can get in here every month. So every good uh, photo shoot you have is a potential opening to uh, you know a sustained revenue stream from a single client so that's the big one that's why it's got to go well that's why everyone has to feel like you communicate well because you're essentially saying i could do this and make you feel this good all the time if you want one one thing and i just think i i'm big with processes right and that's the same thing that we do with our experiential marketing company but one of a few things that you touched on that I really think would be great for Eddie and then also just for listeners, because um, we do have a, a strong photography and videography program here. But um, one thing I would love for you to kind of go a little deeper in is this idea of making a living off of photography, right? Or making a living off of your art, because I think a lot of students and even myself when we started this company is very confusing of how do you make a living off of this right um, multiple revenue streams is super important right you talking about a retainer right uh, I don't think everyone understands what that means and what that looks like right so can you really talk a little bit about that um, because I think you're doing an amazing job with all this insight that you're giving no thanks um and then stop me if I'm rambling too much. So, but, but I guess, so making a living, what you actually should start from is what is a living for you? Is it 30 grand a year? Is it 40? Is it 60? Is it 90? Find out what you want to make. And then you got to divide it by, okay, well, how many clients based on my base rate, how many clients does that mean? So let's say you wanted to make 50 grand a year. And let's say that would... Oh God, I'm do quick. I don't know what the quick math is. Let's just assume it's a, I'm making a thousand dollars a week, right? You have a shoot every week and it's a thousand dollars a week. Like, okay, that means I either need 52 separate companies to pay me once a year, or I need, you know, 25 companies to pay me twice a year and, you know, you can keep going down or I need 10 companies to pay me five times a year. Right. So how can I get, if, if my rate is a thousand, you can, you know, work this out in this Excel spreadsheet, find out what you need to make, not, and, and then work your way backwards from there. Because if you know what you need to make, it's, it becomes a lot more manageable. And then if you know what you need to make, it's like, okay, well, I need uh, 10 clients and each of them are going to pay me five grand. Okay. Like how do I get to those 10 clients and what is five grand to them? So if I call, so this goes back to in sales where a lot of people just aren't really comfortable with sales or they think sales is a, a, a bad thing. Sales is a great thing. Sales is actually the only thing that's going to get you the job or get you the, any of these gigs. So I got to call 20 people for one of them to hire me. So that means if I need 10 people, I have to make 200 phone calls. So, but if you know that if I call someone 200, if I call 200 different companies um, and I get that gig, 
that means I call 200 companies and I make 50 grand a year. I'm like, that's actually pretty easy if I think about that. Because if I know that I call 200 and, and I know that I'll 50 or 10 of them will pick up the phone, I'm done. I did all, I did all the work by going backwards. Like, you know what your work is going to be. So people want to sometimes skip to the, how do I get paid? It's like, well, I don't know how you get paid, but I know how you find out who's willing to pay because it's all, it is completely dependent on what is the, con- the customer willing to pay for and would they pay you? Should they pay you? And I mean, that's a, you know, when I've talked to other people, I was like, you know, how do I do this? I'm like, well, what do you do this? I'm like, are you good? Oh, I don't know. I'm like, you don't know if you're good? Like, why are you, I, I guess I wouldn't hire you if you said that to me. So you should find out, are you good? And if you're not good, then you need to get good. So um, first get good, then have a portfolio that makes sense. And then understand who you're shooting for and why. So if I, let's say I want to shoot for the rest, I mean, restaurant industry has no money right now. So I would not recommend that. But let's assume COVID turns around and restaurants are, and bars are open again. They need to showcase their food and their cocktails to the world on Instagram, on uh, Yelp, on their own website, on their newsletter, right? I'm going to come in. I'm going to focus 100% on restaurants. I'm going to call every restaurant in Chicago from fine dining to hole in the walls to coffee shops. I'm going to call them all. This is what I do. I do photography. Let me come in for five minutes. I mean, this is how you would start it. I want to come in for just five minutes to show you my work and see if I can get, uh, and and see if, um, you know, we'd be a good fit. Most people would say yes to that. I got five minutes. I got five minutes. And then you show them your, here's my work. You'll look ahead of time and you show up and you give your pitch. This is what I want to do. I want to take photos for you because I think I can take great photos of your work. And I know that you don't want to constantly be taking, you as a business owner or a director of marketing don't want to be in charge of taking photos. And again, so like whatever your creativity, whatever your outlet is and, or your medium is, what people are doing is they're paying you so that they don't have to do that poorly. Like if I'm director of marketing at the company, I'm hiring a photographer so I don't have to do it. And especially if I can't do it, right? That's what I'm paying for. I'm paying for you to do something to help our business. And so that's how you need to frame it. So the only way you can make a living is by finding people who are willing to pay you a living. And the only way to do that is by calling people and finding out who you're going to be focusing on. So if you're focused, you got to, so Eddie, who do you want to focus on? What's an industry you want to focus on? Uh, Definitely like music industry, like venues and stuff like that, I would say. What about? Obviously, it's not prominent right now. What's a a different industry you would, what's the second industry you would focus uh, on? I really am interested in like product photography. Uh, Lately, I've been feeling more um, interested in that kind of field. Great. Okay. So here's, here's the two things that we would do. So let's, let's, let's assume I was your business manager, right? Okay. Hey, hey, thanks for coming in. This is what we're going to do for your career, right? I'm your new business manager. Um, one, uh, let's find some, first, let me see your product photography shots. And you're going to say, oh, I don't have those yet. It's like, okay, well, let's get you involved in that. Let's, here's three great product photography people in Chicago. I'm going to send you to their photo studio and you're just going to shadow them for a day. You're going to learn everything you can from them. Maybe a week, each one. One week, this guy. One week, this girl. One week, this guy. All right. So you got three weeks of free education from a top product photographer in Chicago. That's the first thing you would do. Now, the second thing, okay, now we're going to try to recreate that in your studio with your equipment, right? Because that's what you're going to be selling. So you would shoot that and try to recreate that in your way and with the limitations and whatever you have with your equipment. Great. Now, let's update your portfolio, Eddie. So we go to portfolio, we add a tab that says, product photography then we have the brands the you know the, the fake photo shoots that we talked about set those up great now you have your these the, the lay flat stuff right here's the tabletop stuff here's the in shots in hand you know whatever it would be okay now we got a great you know kind of diverse range of product photography okay here's our target list now and i give you a big list it's 200 companies you're going to call every single one and you're going to email them after it so your voicemail is going to be, hey, this is Eddie. I'm a photographer in Chicago. I do product photography. I love your brand. I love what you've done. Um, especially the specific thing that I saw on Facebook. You can say something specific. And then you're going to say, I'm going to send you an email as a reminder. I'm sure you're very busy. I would love to come by and show you what I can do for your company. Boom, done. Here's a link. So you send the email, you send the link, and you do that 200 times. That's what we would do if I was your business manager and we were trying to break into the commercial photography scene. And then 
in another two to three months, we'd call those same product photographers and go back and study with them again. Hey, can I just come by for another week to see what you're doing, see what you're working on? Because secretly you might be hired as first assistant on set. That would be great. It's a great way to learn. You get paid to learn and you're just essentially adjusting flags and all day. You know, it's not actually, it's a pretty easy gig. I mean, you're setting up the stands, you're setting up stuff, but you're not actually the one in charge of delivering, which is great. So, um, you know, that's how I would, that's how we would make a living in the commercial world. And so obviously that the way I described it, that takes some time to ramp up from zero to that. So, which is why it's good to find out what do I need to make this year? And is it possible for me to get any clients, even if they're not in commercial, even if it's not product photography, any client, even if it's weddings, whatever it is, um, just to like, so I can start saying I'm making money from photography. So it's actually real. You're not lying to yourself. It's not a dream. It's just something that people have paid you for your images, which is good. That You want to have that reality there. And then beyond that, you know, based on what you needed to make this year, you start making calls. You start making emails. Is that, did that answer the question yeah, about making perfect. a living? Is that? Absolutely. That a lot of good insight. Thank you. I really appreciate that, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like you'll find your best way to do it. Although I, you know, but the, what I'm describing is the way that anyone in any, it's any industry, that's how it would work. Right? It doesn't matter what you're selling. You're selling sausages, you're selling suits, you're selling photography, you're calling people. Do you buy sausages? You got to find out if they're in the market for it. Cause you're not selling to people that don't buy it. That's the big problem. And I used to waste my time selling to people who had no budget. Like years I spent my time on that. Like what a moron I was. Like, what was I doing? But I thought if I just said the right thing, magically $5,000 would appear in their bank account. Like they would have the money. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't force them to have that money to, and then have them wherewithal to hire me for this magic money that appeared out of nowhere. So like, what was I doing? And that's where I really wish I was better prepared uh, for sales. That's why it's important to have good sales. Cause you gotta, you gotta listen. They'll tell you exactly if they're ready to hire you. True. True. I feel like, uh, that was some pretty good insight overall. Um, I know uh, we're already running up on what, like an hour, Mo? Yeah. I think, I think for, uh, I think maybe the last question could be, you know, when looking at this industry and everything you've learned, right? Someone who's interested in shooting and starting tomorrow, right? What advice would you give them right are you saying hey figure out if this is something you love first right are you saying hey go into the direction and just start really tapping into what industry you're trying to go into first right um what what direction would you steer them if they're like hey alex saw your work love what you're doing i'm trying to get started in this industry don't really know what industry i should go in like what what direction are you pointing them that where they could start something tomorrow. If you, if you could start something tomorrow, I would go into an industry that you at least have some amount of interest in. Because if you're not interested in it, it's really hard to take good photos. It's really, you know, it's, um, you know, it's like forced to take a test. You know, your brain is struggling to get the good shots. I mean, you'll take a bad shot just because you want to be done with it. So, if you're going to start right away, how would you narrow that down? Narrow it down to what are you interested in? So, so Eddie, your, your music and live concert photography, it's great. And, you know, unfortunately that's just on hold for a little bit. There are still some kinds of, uh, there's not really a lot of live events though. And no one's really paying for that right now, except weddings. Um, those are live, but um, you know, you, shoots. what's that? I was saying there's a lot of like pre-recorded video shoots. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, the thing is musicians still need to promote their albums. Um, although venues are likely not going to survive this weather. So, you know, unfortunately, um, they're going to, there's going to be a weird restructuring of what live venues are in Chicago and what promotion, you know, what live nation decides to do with the venues here. Um, so you're going to have to wait and see there. So in the meantime, whatever you're interested in, like just think of so people usually do this. Oh, would love to shoot for Nike. It's like okay, who wouldn't? That'd be great. But what is like the Chicago version of that Nike? What boutique store in Chicago where you can talk to the owner? Like we're not talking to 
who is it? Spectre, right? Who, who is the CEO of Nike, whatever. It doesn't matter because I'll never <laughs> talk to him. But like find out what that version of like, okay, so you want to shoot athletic wear. Great. Maybe you go to Fleet Feet Chicago, like the running store. You say, hey, let me shoot some of your running shoes. Or you go to what a Notro every now and then carries, um, you know, uh, you know, fitness gear though that's push more like athleisure kind of stuff. Or you'd have to find the version where you can talk to the decision maker. Because you can't just tweet at them and DM them and think that, oh, like maybe Nike will hire me. It's like it's not, it's not happening. It doesn't work like that. Now, not for billion dollar companies. Like, but you can email the owner of a local boutique and they'll probably need your help. The budget is gonna be a lot smaller, understandably, but you know. If that's what you're interested in, it'll be easy for you to get it done. It'll be worth it. Perfect advice. Well, Alex, I want to thank you so much for jumping on our podcast and giving so much insight. I really think this will truly help someone to get to the next level. I know it's even helped me to refresh some of the things that we're doing here at Dim Event. So I truly appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, Thanks for having me. Of course. And if people want to get in contact with you or look for you or have some interest in mentorship, where can they find you? Uh, two ways. One is uh, you reach out to me on uh, you know Twitter or Insta- Instagram uh, at SuperDanger. Um, or uh, I stream on Twitch every Monday and Wednesday, SuperDanger Gaming. So twitch.tv slash SuperDanger Gaming. Um, uh, I do these like TED Talks at 930 Central every Monday and Wednesday where I go over certain life skills or how to approach certain situations, um, how to apologize. That was a really popular one. So um, if you guys want to reach out there, you know, I have a lot of fun with the chat and it, we have a fun time there. So any of those. Well, thank you so much. And Eddie, great questions for everyone listening, whether this is your morning routine, afternoon, or before you go to bed. Thanks for listening. And we're out. Skirt, skirt.